0: inspiring you to reach your goals and live your
1: dream and live your dream. This is the Keaton Nelson show. Alrighty, guys. guys. Uh, today on the Keaton Nelson show, I've got a real special guest for you, Sam Knickerbocker. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. Hey, now
2: super grateful to be
1: here. Yeah. Awesome, man. So I would love to get to know you. I love for listeners to get to know you. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, all that type of good stuff.
2: Yeah, so I uh, grew up out in Grantsville, Utah, for a little bit, then moved up to Parma, Idaho, if you know where those two places are, two little podunk towns that uh, not much is happening. My parents were Pizza Hut drivers growing up on the 7th of 11 kids, so just not a lot Damn. of money, not a lot of anything going on except for you-know-what, and, uh, <laughs> and that led to more children, so it was, it was rough. Basically, it was a rough childhood. And no, really, no money and no success happening. Physical success. My parents did some things really, really good, though. And they, uh, they, their goal when they started having kids was to make sure we were all self sustainable and able to provide for ourselves by the age of 12 years old. That's so, strange. I mean, it's like a very uh, big goal. And with that goal comes basically. A lot of intentional hardship, <laughs> to put it <laughs> to put it lightly, uh, intentional hardship to help us become that mentally strong and physically equipped to to be who they want us to be. But that's where my journey started. Uh, I went to went to school for neuropsychology, wanted to help people basically avoid a lot of the anxiety, depression, physical and mental hardship that I experienced. I didn't understand that it was all really valuable when I went through it though. So now I don't know that I'm as much involved in trying to avoid it, but rather create meaning and understanding around people's lives and help them live a life where they're happy that they are, they're in it and they're happy with what they're creating. So that's what I do now is really focus people on what exactly is it that helps you do what you want to do? Why are you not doing what you want to do? Yep. And how can we get you from point A to point B faster?
1: Ooh, Cool 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 so you guys were like cheaper by the dozen
2: almost yeah we missed a few
1: children but basically <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy man I-, I can't even imagine i was like single kid single like single mother just me but i have three siblings that were already grown so my uh sister was 17 when i was born my youngest sister and then the rest like older so like <laughs> crazy! Yeah, that's crazy. Now, my yeah.
2: parents—it was all one, one child at a time. So there's no twins, not a blended family, one child at a time. Damn. My mom was either pregnant or breastfeeding for I don't know, like Ever? twenty years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's insane. So now being a parent, I have three children myself. Yeah, and we just we just had a baby three week, well three months ago. Oh, uh, congrats! A little girl, love her to death. But, but I cannot imagine having eleven children. I just can't.
1: No, I'm done after two yeah Yeah. done 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 done. i haven't anymore um that's crazy that's (laughs) crazy. um anyway so like i um i like what you're doing now that's cool i'm kind of like going through that process myself here right um you help people like correct me if i'm wrong but like things that i've been working on is like my relationship with money and what that means and like, uh, this, that's my new terminology that I'm, I'm finding out like you're a thermostat, right? Right. Like my sure. life is set on like X amount of dollars a year. And then when it goes up, I want to bring myself down and self-sabotage and all that type of junk. Is that the stuff that you're helping people out with. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. I mean, helping people change their, it's,
2: it's, it really comes. I love the word relationship for, for a while. I toyed around being, wanted to be called like the. relation money relationship expert. But I really do think that it's very interesting. A lot of people have either a love or hate relationship with money. They love it when they have it. They hate it when they don't have it. And there's a lot of energy and emotion tied to money. It's something that we're not taught about. It's not something that we're not encouraged to um, really love. So although we need it, we end up hating it because that's what people in the religious community say you should. should love the, the love of money is evil. Yeah, yeah. evil, right? The reality is, money is an inanimate object. It's a tool, just like a fork or a spoon or a wall or a chair or a table or anything else in your life. It it has no meaning other than what you give it. Got it. And you yeah, love the some fork. People, <laughs> I, I, some people, you know, <laughs> there's all types of genders now. Um, so whatever you're attracted to, go for it. I, I think I'm a uh, I, don't, I don't know what I would call that, but you know I, I like money. Um, not because of what money is, though, but it's looking past that and saying, well, what does that provide you? And it's the same way in a relationship. It's not necessarily do you love the relationship just for the relationship, or do you love your relationship with your spouse or with your significant other or with your children or with your mom or your dad? Do you love that relationship? because of what it provides you security meaning growth like there's there's a lot of things that being in a relationship provide you and it's not just for the sake of a relationship generally when people stop growing in a relationship that's when they try and remove themselves that's when they get out they go start doing other things philandering around with other things because there's no more growth there's no more intention there's no more purpose behind what they're doing and it's the same way with with money or anything, how do, how are you respecting what it is and moving it towards a, a stated objective? Now that objective looks different for everybody. Your legacy looks different from everybody else's legacy. And so how is this tool helping you achieve your legacy?
1: Hmm. Yeah. What if I don't care about a legacy?
2: Then what do you do? Why, why are you waking up every morning?
1: I mean, for me, it's like uh, I wake up every morning because I enjoy what I do. I love my family. Uh, like, you know, I'm I'm just enjoying life, right? I'm, sure. I'm pumped to wake up and experience another day, every single day. Um, there's new things happening, but I don't do it because I'm going to leave something behind. Um, even like with my family and stuff, like, yeah, I'll, it'll help them and, and everything, but that's not why I do it. I think uh, recently I listened to like a snippet of Alex Ramosi. He had a really good explanation. You know, his like great, great, great grandfather or great, great grandfather was like a uh, emperor in like Iran. And he had like, like 50 wives, like uh, palaces. He ruled the country and all this type of stuff. And he's like, if that's what he had, and I'm only like four or five generations behind him, then legacy means nothing. Because think- like it's not gonna um, like it's not gonna mean anything in, in, in four generations, five generations. If if that means nothing now, then like what is us like building a business or us like or you know what I mean? I could be like no, this- I I think you're
2: right. So I think it comes down to how are we defining legacy, right? Because oh, sure. legacy oftentimes is being used as a financial term. Okay. I don't actually define legacy as a financial term because finances is this inanimate object, right? So yeah. I think of like, what's Mother Teresa's legacy? Mm. What's Gandhi's legacy? Okay.
1: Yeah, peace. If I, like. What's
2: Saddam Hussein's legacy? What's Hitler's legacy? Mm. Okay. The reality is you don't get a choice about whether you leave a legacy.
1: Everyone gets, that's my next question. Does everyone get a legacy? Or do you have and, everybody's,
2: everybody's going to be remembered by somebody. Okay. It, there's going to be your life that has an impact. And so then the question is, how do you want people to be remembering you when they remember you? What do you want them to be saying? So it's not about how much money did you leave? Money is an irrelevant, I think, inanimate thing that whether you have it or not actually doesn't define you at all. There's some Mm -hmm. really fantastic, incredible humans who never were wealthy in their life, but created massive change on on a world scale. Rosa Parks never, never had any money. Ruth Bader Ginsburg never had, like, I mean, she, she didn't die poor, right? She was a Supreme Court justice. But point is, there's people who their lives meant something
0: mm-hmm.
2: because of small things that they did, character, who they were, how they lived. And in those respects, do you want your children, you got two of them, right? Do you want your children to think, man, I wish I would have known my dad more. I
1: mm-hmm. wish
2: that he was more present. I wish that, my husband, if, if he's your wife, I wish my husband actually spent time with me. I wish that he enjoyed spending time with me. Yeah. Like those are the types of things that I think are legacy. So then the question is, if that's how you want to be remembered. What's stopping you from being remembered that way? And most often people come up with one of two reasons. Either they don't have the time to spend with their kids or do the things that they really want to have an impact or they don't have the money. Mm-hmm. And if somebody tells you they don't have time, Really, what they're telling you is they don't have the money because there's I mean, there there is a time ultimately is a limiting factor. So far, as I'm aware, we haven't figured out how to be in two places at once. I'm, I'm fully aware of that. Right. That being said, most of the things that you spend doing in your life. Are a result of not having money to either pay somebody else to do it for you or you actually need money to go do things that you love. So you need to fund it, or you need to pay somebody else to do it. And if you don't have money to do either one of those, then you get to do it, or it doesn't get done. And so that's where time primarily is a limiting factor. Now, there is a level at which you have so much money, so much freedom, and you still don't have enough time to do everything. I get it. But that's a very, 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 very small set of people. There's a lot of people who just don't know how to manage their time, manage their money. And as a result, they end up not living the life that they're ha- they're proud of, that they actually want to be remembered for, because they're just chasing survival or the dollar. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, so if you, I don't know if you're up for this, but I think it'd be kind of cool. Yeah, go for it. Um, I'm like trying to open up and be more vulnerable on these podcasts and stuff too. So this is a good opportunity. And I like having coaches. Like, I don't know if you're like coach or subject matter, magic, subject matter expert or whatever you want to call it. Right. But I like having coaches. Cause then I'd be like, Hey, coach me. Then I get a free hour of coaching or 45 minutes or whatever. And sure. you get a, the coach could show everyone their superpower. And, um, um, I, I get to open up and be myself a little bit more. Cause I mean, sure. it doesn't work if I'm not honest and, and real. So I'm um, interested, that. like how, if you, if this was like a coaching session, a discovery section or whatever, what are the questions you would ask me? What would you do with me to move me to the desired results that you help your clients reach?
2: So the, the first question I would ask is, are you actually happy with where you're at right now? Like, are you thrilled to be alive and every morning you wake up and you're doing what I'm mean, a
1: bad like, client, but yeah, right. I am. I'm like pumped.
2: Cool. So, so you would you, there's nothing you would change if you uh, if you woke up, there, you would change nothing about your day. Everything you
1: do is just because you want to do it. At the moment, yes, but I like I know that in the future that may not be the case or whatever. Right? Like, I don't want to be living in Rhode Island. I'd like to move to Florida. <laughs> right? Uh, right? I fucking hate the cold. Um, so why don't you move tomorrow? Why don't I move tomorrow? Okay. Um, so families here like my mother uh chelsea's parents my fiance my wife uh well my fiance for the listeners they actually know now we've been engaged for like six years so anyway, um um yeah her parents are here she has a job here she doesn't want to move it's it's we're tied in this area for the moment uh i do see it happening within the next year though um so I would love to wake up with uh, more money in my personal bank account. Um, you know, just to, as like, I want like, <laughs> I'm being honest, right? This only works. to honest, right? I want fuck you money. Right. Good. I want to be like, fuck you. Like, just cause I have the money. I can just be like, I'm not doing that shit. I don't feel like doing it. I got fuck you money, you know? Um,
2: and what, what's that number for you?
1: Like at what point do you
2: feel like you can say that to the world?
1: Um, personal finances, I would, I've done the math and for me to live exactly how I want to live exactly. Like, I mean, the amount of vacations, where I'm living, how expensive is my car, everything. I could do it for $17,000 a month and feel really, really freaking awesome. Right. Um, so just to be like safe, I was in with investments, everything I've done the math on everything. Like down to the penny. Um, but I would, uh, love to have 20 just to have some extra flying money around it. And then fuck you money is probably like double that, which isn't like too crazy of like a, of a goal, you know?
2: Okay. Yeah. Not, not crazy at all. So how did you come up with those numbers?
1: Uh, I actually worked with a, a business coach who like gave me a worksheet and was like, all right, s- scroll through everything, you know? And, and it's like, you're, how much are you investing? How many vacations do you want to go on? How much do those vacations cost? Go look it up and flights, like everything, you know, um, down to like, how much are you paying for your electric bill? Have you thought about how big the house is and how much more expensive that's going to be? Like a whole bunch of stuff. So it took a lot of time to do it. Um, but yeah.
2: Okay. So, so you go through this scenario and how did you, how, how long do you want to live that lifestyle?
1: How do I, how long do forever, man?
2: Okay. So what's, what's your plan then to increase because inflation is not a, a joke. It's not no, fake. It's, not at it's all. very real. So so how long is $17,000 going to be enough?
1: Yeah, probably not very. I mean, dude, it's like 10% this year. So you know what I mean? So I mean, that turns it into 20 real quick. Um, so it, it probably wouldn't last very long. And then it's it's like exponentially happening, <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. And so yeah, th-
2: yeah. this is, this is where a lot of people they just don't the one of the great things about the human mind, which is awesome, it's it's like the human superpower is that what you focus on, you actually get. Totally. Which is awesome, right? Yeah. The problem is most people aren't even focusing on the right thing.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, okay. I wish like, I was just like Bradley. I dropped the bomb right there.
2: Okay. Was, yeah. Like they, they just aren't even focusing on the right thing. And this is, this is the crux of the situation. You think based on your current analysis, $17,000 would do it. Yes. I would, I would just challenge you. And, and this, is, this is maybe the next stage of the homework. Go and ask people who are making $17,000 a month or more right now. Okay. If $17,000 is really the lifestyle that uh, is of their dreams because this is, this is the uh, principle. You learn this in like econ one one but it doesn't really get applied. This is the problem is we learn a lot of stuff in formal education. That's not applied. It's just rules. And it's like, Oh, well this is really helpful in this like one little area, but then we forget to apply it across the board. So one of the things that you can learn and it, I only went to college for like a little bit and I dropped out. So this is my <laughs> limited college knowledge. Like but in econ 101 they said okay look wants are unlimited there's never you you will never actually have your wants get satisfied there will always be more wants money you can always get more and more money the only real limiting factor in an economic conversation is time because at some point you come up against the fact that you are only you can only be in one place yes now the reason that's important is and i actually this Coming weekend, I'm speaking on stage about this specific topic because what happens is the first level of somebody's um, financial life or, or life in general is stability. Okay. We're just trying to become stable. We're trying to get out of debt. We're trying to better our financial situation. Okay. Stability. And then once we get out of stability, then we go into this phase where we're trying then to get like our basic protections taken care of like insurances, health insurance, life insurance, car insurance, get all of our insurance, home insurance, buy a house, like get just like, you know, a a little bit more, uh, security. Okay. So we go from like stability, security, and then that's security is actually not that hard to get. Okay. I would personally, I would say the $17,000 goal. That's like the security goal. That's like, okay, my life is okay. It's good. I'm not I'm not uh, living rich, I'm not doing anything crazy, but I'm no longer stressed. I'm no longer um, waking up in the middle of the night, wondering if I can pay- feed my family. I'm no longer doing those things. That's like a $17,000 a month goal in today's money, not in yesterday's money, in today's money. That's like, a, mm-hmm. okay, I'm now living a stress-free life. Right. You're right around at that point, maybe 200, 210,000, $212,000 a year of income. And you're, you're right there. The next stage of that would be where your income goes from five hundred to six hundred thousand, or like from two hundred to six hundred thousand, or a million, right? So now you've increased your income. The question is, where does all the increase of income go? Mm -hmm. Like, let's say you do that. Let's say you continue to progress. You get to well. Let's let's ask this question first. If you got to seventeen thousand dollars of income. And let's say that that your income was going to inflation adjust and stay at that lifestyle. Sure. Would you want to continue to grow and develop yourself and work harder and continue to earn more and more money?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, I've got enough. I don't need to work any harder. We're just going to keep our life the way it is.
1: Well, the problem is like the way I have it set up in that $17,000 is that my investments would eventually compound. Sure. Far, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I'd be investing in real estate and other I'd diversify, right? But um, they would all compound over time, and then eventually, you're right. I wouldn't need to work, but I'd be more concerned about my growth, right? I'd be more concerned about how much am I learning, how much am I making an impact on people, because like uh, that's part of the, the real estate thing. Is I want to have enough passive income through real estate that I can have uh, apartment complexes that cash that are paid 100% through cash flow, like net income right um, to like just feed the homeless let them screw not feed them house the homeless and let them screw up the place and still have money to fix up everything because like right. you know I want a bunch of those I want a bunch all over the United States I think homelessness is like pointless like I'm not like and then also providing them uh, tools and resources so that they can gradually move up into the, like, you know, uh, society and not have to be sucking on my teeth. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, For the ones who want it, that's, we have the same goal. Actually, I have a business plan
2: in like, uh, 2019 is when I wrote it. So it's still one of my goals because I haven't fully accomplished it yet, but it's exactly that to create like basically an entrepreneurial center for homeless people. Yes. Like full detox, everything from top to bottom. So the people who want it, they can walk out as business owners or, something productive. Not everybody wants that. That's the interesting thing of talking. I've talked to a lot of homeless people over the, the years and not everybody wants.
1: Sure. No, exactly. To but I also don't think they should
2: own <laughs> Yeah. Some people love it though. Like I have so,
1: well, then that's their choice. But like, I I know, their choice.
2: like my own little brother, this is, what's crazy. My own little brother, he could live in a house. He could go get a house or something, but he prefers to live out of his car. He prefers to have like a Ford escape and just not a Ford escape. Yeah. I don't know. Ford Explorer, Ford Explorer, yeah. and just like live out of his car. He doesn't actually want a house. He like, All right,
1: man, cool. And, and, and it
2: doesn't make sense to me, but I'm like, hey, if that's what you like,
1: yeah, yeah, you yeah like exactly. You, you, yeah. you want to be
2: homeless? Go for it. I got that. That's just not me. But so that's the other thing that I've had to like really realize. Is, like some people, they're there actually by choice. They've got family who loves them. They got family who would totally help them out if they wanted help. But they just like being homeless and there's nothing wrong with it. That's their lifestyle choice. It's yeah. definitely interesting. It's definitely contrary to what I would choose to do with my life. But um so being that's able so to cool. honor, honor and respect that it's an interesting totally. thing. My goal was like, oh, I want to be able to come help these people. Maybe the help they need is acceptance for who they are. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so that's a totally. that's an interesting Uh, Right. Yeah. So what happens is we go from this, we went from scarcity to stability Then we get this like increase in income because your investments are doing good because things are doing good. A lot of that, a lot of people because they never really learned or got focused on their intentional, what they, how they wanted to use their funds later in life, they were focused on how to be okay themselves. They weren't focused necessarily on the long-term vision of things then as their income increases, their lifestyle increases.
1: Yeah. And I just, mean, I'm like, I'm including. Say what? I'm including like first class, private jet rides and shit. Like, I mean, all sorts of stuff. But at you the same time.
2: You have t- your own private jet.
1: Huh? I could have it. Yeah, you could have i probably just get one of those cards, to be honest with you. They have like those cards where you can just, it's like a, Ride share program for yeah you, can, jets. yeah.
2: you can buy. I know some people who they just buy hours on a plane, and they have got like exactly three hundred thousand miles that they're able to fly every year. And yeah, it's there's all different types of options, and that's what's so really. interesting. But really, finding out what is the what is the ultimate goal, and then what is the the plan to get there. Yeah, most people, and so so let let's just ask ask you. Do you feel like you're current career and occupation. I don't know what you do, yeah. but has all of the horsepower necessary to get you to where you want to go?
1: Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, to, to that, to that benchmark. And then afterwards there's things that there's different vehicles I'm going to hop into. Yeah, and right. that's when you'll have to learn yeah. Those vehicles. Yeah. So perspective for everyone listening, right. I run a social media marketing company right now. Uh, I've got I've got two full-time employees, one part-time, and like seventeen contractors that I pay every single week. So it's not like I mean, it's like over twenty people on my team, right? Mm Basically, right, including myself. Um, And um, I wouldn't include the contractors if I didn't pay them weekly, and they're always, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean. I've done communication with them, but that's going to bring me to seventeen k a month, easy. Very, sure. very, very easily. Uh, I've already, it's probably before the end of this year, it'll happen. Um, mm-hmm. Might even happen the, before the end of this quarter, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, right. yeah it's, um, but after I ha- have this in motion, I really want to scale this to a million dollars a month, which yes, I'll my income will increase through this. Like, my revenue right now is between 50 and a hundred K a month. Right. right. For your, for your whole revenue, for my business, your business revenue. Right. Just, and then that's the other thing that drives me nuts. I want to be really clear. And I'd love for my team to clip this part. Your people will say that they're making 50 K a month, but that's what their business is doing. you ain't making 50 K a month on a business. Like, like in your pocket, there's way too many expenses. So I uh, just want to make that clear for everyone who's listening too. Um the, so I'll make a ton of money as it scales up, but I'm like, I don't want that to be my vehicle. I want to switch over to consulting and take equity for consulting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? In other market sure. companies or, or individual products and brands. Cause I know how to blow them up. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so that will be like, will make me a ton of money. So I'm like contradicting myself here as I'm talking, I'm noticing, but,
0: but that,
2: this is, this is the thing when you're talking to somebody with that, I was talking to another client and they're like, well, I just like, I want to get to the building stuff. I want to get to the tangible stuff of building a business. I want to get to the website. I want to get to the graphics. I want to get to all the the, the tangibles, the money, right? That's what they want to get to. And the part of the coaching course is to go through identifying who you are, identifying what, like what you're actually are looking for. What do you, what are your real goals? And that process is very self explorative. And it's sometimes fun, sometimes painful, sometimes like shocking, sometimes messy, right? All of those things. And we have to go through that. Because when we go to write down our goals, this is where if we haven't really fleshed out where we're at. Then when we go to write down our goals, we're going to underestimate what we can achieve. And the unfortunate part is we'll achieve it but that's, it'll probably take us. Then we're going back to the thermometer. If you're approaching your goal too fast, faster than when you said on the timeline, then that's when you're like, Thanks. whoa, whoa, whoa. I've got six more months to accomplish this. And I, I can't accomplish this yet. I'm too young to accomplish this. Or whatever joke it is we tell ourselves, it happens to everybody. Literally last year, I was falling into the same trap because my income was going from, my income went um, one year, from like 85,000 to 205,000. And then I was setting my goals because again, I was trying to like increase my mindset and and grow, I was setting my goals like, man, it'd be great if I could double my income again, maybe a little bit more and go to like 400,000. But then I was looking at my objectives and I don't care about making money myself as much. I want to help other people make money. So it's like, look, if I just keep doing what I'm doing then i'm going to make my goal and then if i but if i include, include anybody else and i actually accomplish my mission of helping other people increase their their income then there's i would have to not work as hard to make less than half a million
1: okay so, can you rephrase that cuz i like
2: okay so so i realized that my goals alone. What I was setting my like income goal at. Yep. That if I set my income goal there, then there's no room for anybody else to participate. But my goal is, I'm, I'm saying on one hand, I want to help five people make a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I make five people make a hundred grand, I'm going to get a piece of that. I don't know how you charge for your. No, sure. Right. Maybe you charge <laughs> a percentage of closes. Maybe you just charge amount of ad spend. But at some point to help somebody go from nothing to hundred grand your ideally your your piece of that is going to increase as you do more and more marketing sure. for them, right and they're yeah. going to be wanting to pay you more because you help them go from zero to 100 grand so of yeah. course they're going to want to pay you more because of that so if you say well i'm gonna i'm gonna get 10 clients at thousand dollars or 10 clients at ten thousand dollars that's 100 grand a month great now of, of gross revenue. so now i've got 10 clients at 10 grand and I'm going to help. I'm going to tell this person that if you give me ten grand, I'm going to turn that ten grand into hundred grand in a year. Yep. Okay. If 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 I gave you a dollar and you were going to give me back ten dollars, how many times do you want to make that exchange?
1: Um, infinitely. Right. Infinitely.
2: Right. So if you're good at your job, if you actually perform and you turn their ten grand into hundred grand, then they're going to be like, "This was really good. How about I give you fifty grand and turn it into five hundred grand?" Then yes. the next year, you're going to say, "How about I give you a hundred grand?" And- you see how that compounds?
1: Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: and so the problem is if you set your objectives based on the 10 grand and you don't account for their growth and their increase in ad spend or their increase in their success and that being funneled back to you, then ultimately you're either limiting yourself or them or
1: both. Yeah. So I'm limiting myself. Can I stop you there? That's really good. This is a good, because I want to dig deeper into what you just said. Yeah. That's okay. Um, so as you're speaking, I'm like, I help clients go from six figures a month to seven figures a month for 50 grand a year.
2: Okay. That's awesome.
1: I mean, that's like a lot. Like if you're just the, the value exchange that you just said to me, right?
2: Sure. Yeah. And that, that's a, that's a massive thing. So if you could, once they get there, how fast are they going to get there? Ideally you okay. get better at your job. Or or like you, the the more, the longer you do something, the more proficient and the speed at which you can implement is faster. Not not that your mind, I mean, your mind has to expand because it's an ever-changing market, but the implementation, the better your people get when those contractors become employees or salary positions. So you are no longer having to, you know, hope hope for them to get stuff done, but whatever it looks like when that happens, that increases the speed at which your results are getting to your clients.
0: Yeah.
2: And then they want to keep reinvesting. Mm -hmm. And that's where for you to make $17,000 a month, or for you to make an average of uh, $500,000 a month, that could be between now and the end of the year. Mm Because how many clients is it? If If you're getting 50 grand from each client, you need one client a month. You need to just get one client a month for the rest of the year, to increase your averages yep. and all the people that you've got the first part of the year, if you were able to turn it in six months, right. As soon as they see the, uh, I forget who it is that, uh, uses this strategy the most. I've heard Grant Cardone use it a few times, but there's another guy that I learned it from, but if you can, you'll see it happen with jot form Calendly. A lot of these companies will do it. They'll be on a subscription. Yep. And then like halfway through the subscription, they'll say, Hey, look at all of your results if you want to buy in to the next year, so basically restart your year contract, but you're only six months through the contract. You want to restart your year contract. I'll give you, you're going to go up in the contract size. So maybe you were at a $10,000 contract a month or, or $5,000 contract a month. But how about you move up to a, a $12,000 contract a month, double your, your ad spend on an annual basis. If you did that now rather than waiting until the end of the year, then I'll give you a 20% discount or something. So then you're giving them a little discount, but you're calling a year's worth of money. You're increasing their income and you're giving them incentive to increase sooner than the end of their contract.
0: Mm.
2: And then these companies will do that, not every six months, but when it makes sense for the specific client, right? Because some clients, maybe they grow super fast because that's what their product is, their niches, they're better, they're more consistent with their getting you the right information. I mean, there's lots of variables that go there. But once, those, once it makes sense for that client, you start doing that, then you can actually increase your income significantly faster because you're just bringing the, the next income increase closer and closer and closer and closer. After you've done the proof of concept for somebody, you're saying, hey, how about you go all in? How about you actually do more? And then when they do, it increases their numbers. And what the, took them six months to get, now they got in three months. And then in three months, you say, hey, how about you increase again? How about you increase again, right? And then there's going to be a limit where they're like, you know, I have too much business. Yes.
0: (laughs) You know, (laughs) I actually
2: actually can't support all of this. And that's when you start another company that says, hey, we can help you (laughs) do better at your business. Yeah. You know, but that's where I think if you're not anticipating that growth, then the lack of anticipation of that growth is in my mind, actually anticipating that they don't grow. Hmm. Because this is the thing about anything in life, but we'll, since we're talking about money, we'll we'll put it in terms of money. But if you're not intentionally growing, and you think you're going to stagnate at seventeen thousand, disregard you know uh, inflation, which is going to eat your income away. <laughs> but oftentimes, the actual seventeen thousand will start becoming sixteen and then fifteen because you're not growing and you're not actually improving your skills. And so, if you're not growing, you're you're dying. And there's not really a stagnation that you can accomplish. Now that I've seen or experienced in business, like this flat line is really hard to achieve. It's
1: bad. Yeah. yeah. That, it's, it's really hard.
2: Yeah. And you wouldn't want it anyways. Right. No. But that that's where I say, like, if you're not intentionally planning for their success, then you're actually planning for their lack of success. And if your clients aren't getting results, then how long are they staying clients?
1: Right. This is not way. long.
2: And yeah. so that's where, how are you planning for that success in your business and in your goals? Is it seventeen thousand? Is it twenty four thousand? Is it three hundred thousand? Yeah,
1: Um, I don't. Hmm. I want to pull up a sheet, but I don't want to pull up a sheet. Um, <laughs> I, I know Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I got it all planned out and everything. So Good. it's weird because, okay. like, I I say like that seventeen thousand dollar goal is really what I want, but. Or like, it's kind of an old goal to be honest with you. You know what I mean? It's the one right. that came to mind when you're like, "How much money would you need?" I'm like, "Well, if I just off of what I need, that's what I need." But real, I mean, it's, it's it's funny. I don't I don't really have like such too much of a personal income goal. You know what maybe I mean?
2: You need
1: to. Maybe I, I need to. No, no. I'm
2: saying maybe you don't need to.
1: Yeah, because I'm like, in my mind, I go to the company. I get to pay people more, my employees more. I get to hire more people, give them like, dude, and working at my social media marketing company, like, dude, this is a fun fucking job. You know what I mean? Like I get to give millennials like a badass job. That's fun. That has benefits, salary, paid vacations, travel, you know, like, like that is so much more rewarding than me taking home an extra, you know, 10 grand a month. In my opinion, will it probably happen alongside it? Sure. But sure. like, you know what I mean? Um like a couple of weeks ago, my my fiance was able to quit her job. You know what I mean? Like that's that cool. was that was awesome. You know? Um but yeah, I, I'm like I'm not too cur- I, I just feel like it will come. And I, and I'm not even concerned about it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's And this
2: is where it gets really fun because now we're not having a conversation about money. People think, oh, well, the issue is with money. The issue isn't with money. The issue is keeping your goals and the stuff outside of money big enough because as you say, the money will come. So -hmm. then does the team know that, hey, what I really want is to be able to give your best friend a job here. For us to give your best friend a job here, we need to hit this metric so we can get your best friend a
1: job. Yes. Because
2: you don't like your best friend is not as lucky as you to have this job. Your best friend, every time you get home, you're in the apartment, he's complaining about his job and you're super pumped and you feel a little bit guilty because you don't want to like be the dude who wipes it in his face. I got the best job and you got a sucky job. (laughs) What we'd really love to do is like invite him to work here, but we don't have the capacity right now to need that, but we'd love to have that capacity. So this is what the metric needs to be. If you can do this, we can give your, your, your partner a job or your friend a job or whatever, right? Yeah. And then at that point, you're, you're expanding the culture because now we're looking for who else can we help? Yes. Who else, who else needs their business? Like on social media. Not just like I get so many text messages and I don't know how you guys do your job and that's fine. I'm not saying you should do it any different. I'm sure... It works for people where they just like message randos out of there, like, "Hey, I have a digital marketing agency. No. You should pay me ten thousand dollars." It's like,
1: come on, <laughs> it's and, like and, it's like walking up to a girl on the street and say, "Hey, you want to marry me?"
2: Yeah, or not even marry me, just like you want to, I mean, anyways.
1: Yeah, I get you. you know
2: <laughs> I get where you're going? It, it's like no, at least marriage. There's like, hey, there's this long term commitment. I plan on getting to know you, sort of. Yeah, but it's different than just like, hey, let's just do this quick transaction where I get all the pleasure. And I might or may not get results for you. Even if you can get (laughs) results, let's say you do orgasm. Let's say you do have a good time. It's over the next day. Like it's like, there's still no like real long-term fulfillment in
0: that.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. So I get all those messages and it's fine. It's a marketing strategy. Sometimes I use marketing strategy like that because sometimes blunt force, it works for some people. Mm. Other people don't like blunt force um, communication. And so you got you to gotta do everything to, to I think, make sure you're hitting all your bases. Because some people, if you try and build a relationship, they're like, I just want the deal. Just give me the deal and let's move on, you know, because that's how they are. So yeah. personality is everything. But uh, I think that when you're looking on social media, if it's like, hey, this person, I actually want to grow their, their business. So what I'm going to do is instead of like... Instead of charging them up front, what if we had a special thing for everybody on our team? We say, hey, look, let's put in a certain amount of work up front because we just like we love what we do, we love what we're doing, we believe, we actually believe that this company, you get a drawing, everybody can contributes, you get a drawing. Hey, did you the person that you put in the drawing, did they get chosen as the company that we're gonna help for three months build their their presence or whatever? And then you know that's just good. It's like Tom shoes. You buy one, they send one to a homeless person, right? It's your way of giving back, but it builds a culture of like, hey, maybe my person that I chose gets gets to grow, and then as we grow, if we build the right relationship, then that person's going to want to stay with our firm because we actually gave them a shot, and that's a whole other revenue source that maybe it looks like a, a loss leader in the front end, but on the back end, you're building a culture, and that person's like, hey. This changed my business. They're going to give you the best testimonial
1: ever. Yep. That's how we grow is referral. We don't like, we're a marketing agency that doesn't need to market. Which is awesome. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. that's the only exponential growth too, by the way, is like, you, you can, I'll get into that another time, but uh, you're absolutely right. I, I, I love that idea. I've actually done that idea uh, a couple of times for people, but um, yeah, our mission mission statement, right? Every company is supposed to have that. Sure. Um, is to amplify messages worth sharing. Mm-hmm. Right. So we try and find people. That's why I like, I love having business coaches on my podcast um, is because I love like, I mean, it's not just business coaches, but coaches in general, they're a lot of fun to have a conversation with like this. And um, I think people do actually get a lot of value out of it. Um, we're coming up on some on time right here. I want to, um, I ask a few questions that I ask every single one of my, my guests. I want to hit, hit on those. We'll wrap it up. I think there's more here. We should have you back on the podcast. Um, definitely. And um, yeah, yeah. It'd be really nice to have you back on. But before we get there, what's one book you believe everyone should read? Uh, this,
2: might, this is a little a lesser known one, I think probably the biggest book that helped me in my life up to this point is actually called the four tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Interesting. Okay. Um, It's, it's in my top five. My top five are all kind of equal to each other, but four tendencies. um, It's, it's another type personality type book that everybody's not going to identify perfectly with each one, but learning how to deal with inner expectations and outer expectations, Expectations and who you are, like what your natural state is, can help you help other people communicate to you in a way that you get to grow more. And, and that's what I like most about the book is it it taught me about myself so that I could commute. I had a I had a, a a mentor who before I'd read this book, I knew I didn't like how they were communicating to me, but I didn't know how I actually wanted to be communicated to. Right? And and so I was struggling with this because it wasn't working. I wanted what they had as far as their mentorship, their leadership, their their knowledge. But every time they would communicate to me, it, it was being met with a brick wall because of some past trauma right. of mine. And I was like, this is lame. Like, I hate this because I want what you have, but I can't receive it. Like right, right now, I'm just not receiving it. And after I read that book, I said, hey, these words... Because of my entire childhood, it's not you. You're not a bad coach, bad mentor. Because of my childhood, it's not working. And I believe that you actually want me to succeed just as much as I want to succeed and want your help. If you could share this information in this language patterns, the results would be infinitely better. Because I'm not having to fight you to, to hear the information. Change that and my business doubled. Like. Just, just learning how to be communicated, what actually inspires you and what doesn't, I think is really important. And what do you internally communicate, uh, committed to? It helped my relationship with my wife, it helped my relationship with my kids. So I think that book is a, a life changing book.
1: Mm, that's interesting. I haven't heard that one before. I'm excited to read it now. Um, so what would you say your biggest regret in life is?
0: You know, I ask something
2: similar like this on my podcast. Regret's an interesting thing. I don't know that I have regret and it sounds silly, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I regret much. I'm really grateful for every experience that I have. There's a lot of stuff that I, if I were to look back and given the chance to do it over, I probably would do it differently but I don't regret the lessons that I've learned from it. Sure. Um, so, so that's hard to answer, but I would say like my biggest failure or thing that I've struggled with the most is I took a lot of time off. Like I, as my business was growing, I was like, hey, I want to spend more time with my family. And there, there's, a, there's certain things that I'm good at and certain things that I'm really working on. One of the things that I'm not, had not mastered yet is being able to emotionally support people. Uh, like be, be there and allow somebody else to go through their, their pain and be there to support them without adopting that pain or, or having their journey look bad. On myself, or like me, internalize their journey. So recently, my little sister um, she had just passed away from cancer in February. But Jeez, I'm so sorry. Um, so I appreciate that. I, th- I think she's in a happier place now. Um, her whole life, there's a lot of pretty much all of my biggest growth experiences came from her as a mirror of showing me this one like inadequacy in my life, and it was repeatedly there. And when it came down to it, she was, she was in our house. We had her come down because we were trying to kind of be a home hospice, hospice nurse type thing for her. And at the, the first week was okay. You know, I was still like loving and caring, but my habit that that's been created for whatever reason, my defense mechanism against my own inadequacies is to dehumanize other people so that it, so it's like, she's sitting there literally moaning to even move her her legs. Like it just hurts so bad, everything hurts so bad. And uh, the first week I had some patience with it and was caring and loving, but it got to the point where I was coming up against, like, I can't handle this emotionally myself. And so then I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. And I would start putting on a humor mask or joking about it. Um, and like, oh, it's kind of ridiculous. You're just being performative and you're crying. You need to calm down. Like I started dehumanizing it because it was my way of survival. And so I don't know if it's regret or just like a deep recognition of inadequacy. But like, if there's one thing that I hope to be able to change in my lifetime is to be able to abide with somebody in their sorrow and in their pain and in their hardship without dehumanizing them, And without having to remove myself, ultimately it was like, we ended up having her go stay with another family member because I didn't want, I didn't want to view my sister that way, but I didn't know how to control myself either to not, you know? So that sucked. That was like, it's not a good feeling. And then she, she like uh, got a little bit better and then she ultimately passed away. So um, those are the things that like, man, I don't know That's regret. I don't know what to call it, but I, I wish that I was more, you know, Th- that's what I would say about that. Like I wish that I was more in those circumstances and hope to be.
1: Mm. I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, like, can't be easy to talk about, but I think that a lot of people can resonate with that. If they look deep enough, right. Then there's plenty of times that I do the same thing. Uh, probably like m- m- less of uh I mean, you know, not when someone's on their deathbed, but like even like my five-year-old daughter, you know, and the way that she acts and stuff and I, like the way I react is not like <laughs> treating her like she's a, a human and like, just, just get over it. Like she's got emotions. She's a human. She can have emotions. So I I definitely, it resonated big time with me. So yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Um that's why I ask those questions. You know, it's not to, like, poke a prod or anything, but I think that a, people listening to this is actually, like, probably the most impactful part of the podcast is yeah. we'll open up about that. I had someone else mention that they um, they went cliff tra- diving with their friends and, and one of their friends drowned, you know, like, and they wish that they just didn't make that decision. Um, like, I mean, like, there's, like, big, big impactful things that people share. and uh, it's just so hey. beautiful that that you had the courage to to step up and and talk about that stuff man um and i can relate to it when i get like when i can't handle emotions i go to humor i go to insensitivity or or, or like anger or something you know what i mean yeah so i was having a
2: similar experience with so like i think and it was a combination it was all around the same time in our life but um with my kids we bought them for Christmas, some toys that I knew would require me to put them together with them. Lots of little pieces. My kids are five, three, like yes. five and three, two, three, two little boys. So lots of energy. And I knew that it was going to require me to be with them. But that's one of the things that like I wanted to improve And as a dad is like be able to be there. And it's the same inadequacy that like, I don't know how to engage my five-year-old and keep him entertained or focused. So, like that sucks that like I have this child, I love them. I want to have a relationship with them but I just don't know how mm. to even talk to my five-year-old. And so we were putting these toys together and had all the stuff spread out. And they were just like, you know, like five-year-old boys, three-year-old boys picking stuff up. And, and so like, I just lost it. I was like, Oh my gosh, you know? So I put everything away, put it in bags. Like we're not doing this right now. And then I went out and I started like breaking down boxes for, um, for recycling. And as I was doing this at first, I was like, why are my kids so like, why are they so wired? Why are they so whatever? And Right. Because I was starting yes. to humanize and blame them for, for them not being able to be a 20, 39 year thirty-nine-year-old adult and stay focused. And you know, all it's like this is so stupid. Right. And then it realized, like, no, like Sam, you're you're projecting your own anger of your own inadequacy rather than facing the fact and being honest with yourself that you are the one who needs to change, you're the one who needs to grow, you're the one who needs to develop, and you're also the one that again needs to abide with them in their childhood. Like, let them be kids. Let mm. your kids be kids at least sometimes, you know?
1: No, definitely. Because yeah, man. So it's, a,
2: it's the same thing. And it's like a lot of those experiences popping up around that time where it's just like, man, am I going to grow and change and do what I coach other people to do? Or am I just going to keep blaming other people for my lack of growth and lack of willingness to change? And it's hard. It's it really nobody hard. wants to admit that like their five-year-old's right. <laughs> and they are dad. Yeah, like they're the dad who doesn't know how to communicate. Yes. They're the one that's old enough to actually consciously decide, hey, do I want to learn to communicate? Or just like wait till they're an adult and try and recover whatever maybe relationship we might have had.
1: Yeah. That you that you damaged yeah. while you were I say you, I said I'm really talking about I. Yeah. Right, right. right, yeah. right but like <laughs> but that you damaged throughout their childhood because you couldn't you you weren't emotionally capable to handle stuff, right?
2: Right. Yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. I'm there with you, 100%. All right, last question, man. You can go back in time to any age, right? You get to go back and talk to your younger self, right? You poof magically any age and you get to show up there, but you can only, they know it's you. They know it's, you know, it's you in the future, right? And it's someone you can trust, obviously, because it's you, Right. Right. Um you can only say three sentences and then you disappear. Three what,
0: sentences.
1: Yeah. So what age would you go back to? What are the three sentences you would say? And then I'll leave it up to you whether or not you want to say why you chose those sentences. But I would prefer you if you are gonna say why, say the three sentences first. Okay.
0: Um go back to any age. I think honestly, I would go back to I think I'd go back to when I was that's an interesting that brings up
2: the regret question in a whole nother perspective again, I don't regret what I did, but it's like sucky, so um probably go back to when I was 14, 15
0: years old. And the three sentences I would say, I probably would tell myself that it's okay. To focus on entrepreneurship, like create a business and actually do the excellent. Um, and uh, I would probably say it doesn't
2: define you. That's probably the three things. And and, and it doesn't define you. is probably more about specific things in my life that I thought defined me at that point. And they held me back a lot because I thought certain habits were defining me that weren't. Cool.
1: So yeah, Yeah. then you can, it's up to you if you want to go into why you don't have to. uh,
2: No, I I will. I I think these are really important and they could be helpful. Okay. So it's okay. At that point in time, um, I left my, I, I ended up moving out, uh, out of my house and in with my oldest brother and sister in law or second oldest brother and sister in law uh, because things were really hard in the home. My, my, My mom, as I mentioned, they they have this goal of raising me to be productive by age of 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And with that seemed to be a lot of controlling stuff. Um, Hindsight, my parents are awesome. They're extremely loving. And my mom does not like being a mom. Okay. like she doesn't like taking care of children. She loves being a mom. She loves everything it is now, but taking care of children is not our thing. And so she was very hard on us as kids. And there came a point where I was like, look, I don't need you as a mom. I don't need you as a dad. Legally, there's some legalities here that I can't really emancipate myself really by myself. So, you know, we're, we're stuck together. But as far as like, I, I discontinued our relationship as father and mother to son, and we became friends. And I really, that that helped me a lot, you know, in, in my life. And when I moved out, there was still some. Form of guilt that I had left my my little brother and sisters in this what I considered unhealthy situation,
0: yeah.
2: and um, it's okay, you know, like it's okay to look out for yourself, and I think that's okay. So that's a, the first thing I would say. Um, the the second thing is to become an entrepreneur earlier. I was still my parents had raised us to kind of with Zig Ziglar and and uh, playing cash flow and dealing with wow. Robert Kiyosaki. Like that was our, we were homeschooled. It was, it was our, always there, but I don't feel like I fully bought into being an entrepreneur until I was about 18 or 19 years old after I had done summer sales and realized that if I can go make 50, $60,000 in three months, then I'm basically unemployable. Like, yeah. No degree, no education. Yes. If I can make more money than the average person in three months, then I'm unemployable at this point. And I, my only way forward is to be an entrepreneur. I wish I would have realized that sooner. I wish I would have focused on those things sooner. And, and that leads to the, 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 you know, the, the next thing that I would say, and that is, it doesn't define you. Um, So I actually started working full time when I was 11 years old in a honey extracting plant and, uh, this
1: this will tie in but while I was there
2: I mean I think 11 years old is pretty young to be in the workforce with adults That's when
1: I started working too <laughs> okay
2: and, and I'm not saying it's bad all the time but in that experience I was exposed to some adult language adult concepts and because I was a larger child than than most and my like I was more muscular then I got teased uh, a lot for uh, having big forearms for masturbating right like I oh my god point, uh, this is gonna go really fast Weird, but for yeah, a second, right? but I didn't even know what that was at that point. I was 11 years old, I never did, no idea what this was. So yeah, then yeah. I went home and found Google, and so then I started Googling stuff. Oh, and goodness. through that, I ended up go- getting into like pornography that was like really, really bad. Like, it, it, and I don't know, and anybody, I don't know, everybody's different, but for me, <laughs> it's never been something that's like really affected my relationships with people. I've always um, been able to separate the reality, like this is reality. There's reality people I'm with. And then there's this fictitious world of pornography. Um, that doesn't make it okay. I still would recommend if you're, have the, if you're struggling with like not being able to focus on anything except for the next time you're going to look at that, then it's probably not healthy, you know, um, healthy. For, for you to do that, right? So, um, but from, from pretty much 11 years old um, to I would say probably 18, 19 years old, it went like really, really dark and into like all the levels of BDSM and just like all types of crap that I would watch, right? To get like the next high. And this is something else that people, again, everybody's experience is different. But I think that my feeling like I needed to keep that a secret stopped me from getting help that I needed. And I allowed it to become because I was raised in a, in a religious organization that really was looked negatively on those activities. Now, again, I'm not, not saying that they shouldn't have. Right. But right. Um, it was, there was a lot of shame and guilt there. And so any anytime that I would uh, try and get better and, and not do it, and then I would slip up, I've always let this like dark part of me that I didn't want to share with the world define me as like, I'm not worthy of success because I have these other things. God doesn't love me because I have this other stuff in my life. And it really wasn't until. Honestly, probably until I was 20, I was already married, probably 22, uh, sorry, 24, 25 years old that Um, I finally got a coach and they were able to like, help me separate the fact that I'm still fully loved, accepted and, and everything. Like I still have favor with God and with myself and I'm still worthy just because there are certain habits that aren't productive and they aren't helping me. I'm still a good person. I'm still doing the things I can definitely work on those things, but like, I don't have to let the certain weaknesses that I have define me. I can be defined by my strengths and have weaknesses rather than defined by my weaknesses and my strengths don't overcome them. And I think too often in life, we try, we allow ourselves to be defined by our weaknesses and have the good goodness and the strengths be the exception rather than define ourselves by our strengths. And then with a the recognition that we're making our weaknesses become strengths mm. and how you define yourself, I think is important. So for the last one, I would say, you know, it doesn't define you, but like you're, all the, the things that you think are your worst parts of your life. They don't define you. They they're there, but you get to determine what your future is and, and those don't define you. So that's what I would say is for my last one.
1: It's like, it doesn't define you. Wow. Yeah. I think, um, I, yeah, that's crazy, man. Um, I have friends who, who struggle with that too. I and mean, I'm like, um, it's tough. It's tough to have conversations about that. Right. I mean, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, it's good. It, I mean, maybe this will, I'm hoping it, this helps someone. You know what I mean? I hope it
2: does too. Like, if, yeah. and if they're struggling with that specifically, like just talk to somebody, man,
1: mm. like
2: it's not, I, I don't know anybody I don't feel like this is an exaggeration. I don't know anybody at this point in my life that hasn't been exposed to pornography. Sure. You know, like it's a norm. Unfortunately, it's a normal thing at this point to have been exposed to. Right. I think it's a normal thing at this point to have a desire to want to see more. Right. I don't think that like the way our brain is structured, what I did study in in
1: school is is
2: neuropsychology. Right. It's not like their habits, They're they, just like my humor mask or anything else, that became a way that I soothed myself in stressful moments. It's not a very productive soothing or, or comforting or grounding method, but that, that was the, the neural pathway that was created. So rather than like condemning yourself for who you are, recognize, okay, This is what it is. If I want to change it, I have to intentionally change and find something else to, to turn to towards when I'm going through stressful moments because stress isn't going away. Right. Stress doesn't just like stop because you decided you didn't want to look at whatever, or maybe it's alcohol or drugs or it could be anything. It's not like everybody's thing. some people it's ice cream. They just overeat because they get, they have anxiety and then they go and eat the whole kitchen, right? Everybody has their own thing. And so when you level it out and say, look, we all have habits. We all respond to stress a different way. The, the overarching goal is, are you in control of your life or are you allowing your circumstances to control you? Mm-hmm. And for me, that was the big thing where it's like, okay, I want to change my, my habits. That, that's a lot. There's no shame or guilt around that. It's of no, no, no. humans changing and growing and becoming. Well, that's yeah, wonderful. Man. I can do that.
1: So I used to love chasing drugs, man. That's for sure. So, yeah. And I've never been,
2: never done it. Don't plan on it. Right. So we all have our own thing. So that's what I would just say is like, it doesn't define you.
1: Totally. Cool, man. Well, like I said, dude, I got to have you on the podcast again. Where can everyone go follow you? So you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, um,
2: LinkedIn. And then I have my website, samnickerbocker.com. I did write a book. It's called the nine pillars that build a meaningful legacy. There's there's short things and then uh, it's more of a journal. I want you to kind of plan what, why, and what. Why do you want to win? And whose life is it going to change when you, when you become successful? Whose life is going to be better because you chose to do something that nobody thought you could, mm. uh, even yourself sometimes. And so that's what that book is about. You can get it on my website. Um, there's a free ebook download there, and then obviously my podcast, the Fuel Your Legacy Show. Um, I do very similar to what Keaton's doing just interview successful entrepreneurs about and find out, you know, why are they doing what they're doing? How do they find out about what they're doing? And then how do they want to be remembered? Like what exactly are they, are they living their life intentionally? Or are they just like, man, whatever happens, happens. And some people want to be remembered that way, that they didn't live intentionally, that they just lived as life came and they were happy. You know, that's how some people want to be remembered. And that's great.
0: Mm,
1: Definitely. Cool. Well, guys, go follow this guy. Uh, thank you so much for listening and making it this far in the podcast. I know it's like kind of a long haul. It might have taken you two or three listens, to three, two or three car rides. I do it myself for different podcasts. So I thank you for listening. Um, I also uh, would love if you shared, left a review. It would mean the world to me. And uh, go send this guy a DM saying thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, that would be awesome too. Guys, until next time, I'll talk to you later. Bye.